It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I want to start by mentioning uh, a dog that has come to our attention. We've been contacted by somebody who's quite upset because to see the, the condition that this dog is in, it's in the Ballydaheen area of Mallow. And the person who contacted us reckons that the dog has been running around loose for at least a week. Now, it's either a much loved pet that's gone missing and has completely lost his way and can't be found or else it's a dog that's been dumped. And, I, and I'm hoping, I'm really hoping it's not the latter. But it is described as a tall dog, looking a bit like a greyhound, but it has has spaniel ears and it's a light golden colour. And it's been running around in and out of the traffic. It's it's amazing that it hasn't been knocked down, but it's getting very, very skinny looking. It's getting quite emaciated, so it's obviously not getting enough food as it's running around a bit lost. Uh, so we're putting it out there to see if anybody knows who owns this dog. Does that sound like a, a lost dog that you've heard about? Somebody's out looking for a dog. Looks a bit like a greyhound. It's tall like a greyhound, except it's got spaniel ears, light golden colour. Um, and then if it's not, how do we get this dog picked up and rehomed and brought to the ISPCA? And I know with a lot of those dog charities, I know when we would ever contact them in the past about a dog, you know, that's running around loose on the road. Normally, any of the charities, the rescue charities, and I think it's the same for the ISPCA, unless the dog is like locked into a shed or a garage for somebody to go out and collect it, they, 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 they just don't, don't have the staff or the facilities to go out themselves and start running around trying to find a particular dog. So, And this dog is running around loose at the moment. Anyway, it's in the Ballydaheen area of Mallow. If anybody has any further update or information on that dog as to what we can do and if we can ideally find its owner and get the dog back to its owner, that would be great. But it's looking quite quite thin looking at the moment. 1850 Now, this went up on Facebook. It's the Garda Corner's own Facebook and it has been picked up. I see it today on the front page of the Echo. It's also on this week's Avenue newspaper. And I'll just read you the piece that went up on the Garda Corner Cork Kerry Southern Region Facebook page because it's a short enough piece and it says, From Oigardi have responded to a number of calls this afternoon concerning anti-social behaviour around the town. Boys and girls as young as 12 have been gathering at pre-arranged locations to take part in and and watch organised fights. Others have been engaging in antisocial behaviour, which is intimidating for residents and has a negative impact on everyone. This is not a matter of having nothing to do. 
as it involves a small minority and has a disproportionate effect on the wider community. Schools and Gardaí are not responsible for minding your children. This is the responsibility of those engaging in antisocial behaviour. As well as impacting on the community, these children put themselves at risk of coming to the attention of the Gardaí and the criminal justice system, which can have lifelong consequences, not to mention the risk of physical harm or worse. Parents, please know where your children are and what they're up to instead of finding out from us on Gardashia Corner after it's too late. Please report suspicious or antisocial behaviour. Don't assume someone else uh, will. And they use a number of uh, hashtags including use your brain, not your fists and they also the hashtag one punch can kill. Uh, anyway, that's gone up on the Gardashia Corner Facebook page and but it's Prim- that's, that particular post is primarily aimed at parents who have children in and around the Fomoy area but obviously that message that schools and Gardaí are not responsible for minding your children goes out to the to the whole area you know knowing where your children are because the it was in the afternoon I mean it was during the week it was either Tuesday or Wednesday it must have been Tuesday afternoon that the Gardaí responded to a number of calls about this organised pre-arranged fights so the children are all, are all in school. It's a school week. So we take it, it must have happened after school. So do parents know what their children are getting up to after school? If the children, say, are telling you that they're going, you know, I'm going to Johnny's house or I'm popping along to Mary's house, are parents checking up on that? And what's causing this? Why are we having so much of this antisocial behaviour and these pre-arranged fights? I mean, it's bad enough for to, you know, boys to be having a punch up in the, in the schoolyard or girls to be getting involved in hair pulling or whatever gear, girls get involved with when they start fighting. But to have pre-arranged fights and then to have it watched, you know, circled by a group of people who I'm assuming are egging, egging them on and then don't, you know, it's going to be everyone will have their phones out and there'll be video recording of it and if one person gets, a, you know, comes out worse out of the fight they're going to be ridiculed by everyone else because they weren't able to stand up for themselves you can imagine the bullying that would be involved in all of this it is absolutely shocking and we were talking about this before we came on air this morning as to what is the cause of all of this and now I don't know my theory on it I'm just wondering is it to do with the fact that we have so many parents now and I'm not blaming parents for having to go to work but so many children are going home to in my door they were called the latch door kids the kids that let themselves in there was no one at home but if there was no one in your house it was okay because there certainly was somebody in the house next door the neighbours were around and everybody kind of kept an eye on each other and you know that saying it takes a village to raise a child and everyone in the neighbourhood all of the adults in the neighbourhood would know all of the children in the neighbourhood and they would know if Mrs O'Brien is away today so the kids are on their own and they'd keep an eye out for each other has it anything to do with children are going home to empty houses so therefore parents don't know what their young children are getting up to because they're not at home themselves. And that's not in any way faulting the parents who both have to go to work and they both have to go to work in order to keep the roof over the heads of those children and to be able to educate those children and to, and to put food on the table. And as I say, it's just a theory of mine. But the Gardaí are right parents need to step up to the mark. They need to realise what is going on because you certainly do not want that knock on the door from the Gardaí to say that your son and daughter was involved in a very serious fight and if God forbid, you know, that one punch can kill, 
that child then there's a, a family devastated because somebody has died and then another family has to live with the consequences of what their son or daughter has done. So please, parents, step up to the mark. Your thoughts welcomed on that as to what is the problem? What can we do about it? How do we get children to stop getting involved in this kind of antisocial behaviour, particularly these organised fights? And I suppose, how do we reconnect again as a community? And it, funny, and this was already prearranged before I saw that Facebook post, Talking about re-engaging with communities is something we are going to be talking about on the programme today uh, because later on I'm going to have the wonderful Alice Taylor join us on the programme because I spotted a piece where Alice was talking about are we in danger in this country of losing our friendliness? We are always noted for how friendly we are. And when people come to this country, you know, the Cade Mila Falta, and people talk about that and it's when there's exit interviews done with people when they leave this country it's one of the things they'll talk about oh everyone was so friendly and so nice uh, to us but are we is, are we slowly losing a bit of that in that we're not connecting with people that we live close by could it again go back to my theory that we're all at work and we're all no one's at home and nobody's getting to know neighbours as we did in a former time and if that is the case do we need to sort of stop and say okay this is happening. Let's do something about it. Let's get back to our roots. Let's get back to that friendliness that we had within neighbourhoods. And will that then lead to people knowing each other and families knowing other, the children of other families and knowing if they're home alone or knowing if there's nobody there to keep an eye on them and everybody else will keep an eye on them uh, instead. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll chat with Alice a little bit later on because I, I want to hear what happened to her. She's talking about something that happened at the weekend when she went out for a little bit of a walk and just trying to, you know, just trying to say hello. Just that friendliness, manners, I suppose, is, is what it goes back to. Somebody saying hello and somebody smiling and saying hello, hello back. That's just, to me, that's just basic manners. It's not asking somebody to stop and talk for 20 minutes because you're too busy and I accept that people are busy and need to get from A to, a to B but you know a smile back or a wave at somebody or just a simple good morning good evening good afternoon you know it's not going to take that much from your day and it just you know a smile to somebody else just that little bit of friendliness and has, have others will others agree with that are we losing a bit of that are we getting like those societies where people walk from A to B and you put your head down and you don't engage with anybody else. You know, I mentioned that I was over in the United Kingdom. I was over in England at the weekend and it's the one thing that you do see. Now, I wasn't in London except that I flew into Heathrow but certainly anyone who's been to London lately will know on trains and on the, the tube, nobody talks to each other. Nobody eyeballs each other. There's none of that friendliness that we always pride ourselves on here and I would hate for us to lose that I would hate for us to end up like that in a society where you know when you leave your house and if you're walking to the shops or wherever you're going you're not going to look at anyone you're not going to eyeball anyone you're not going to smile at anyone you're not going to engage with anyone I, I would just hate to see us going down that route. On young people and antisocial behaviour, text already in St. Patricia, if it was my 12-year-old, oh my God, thank God I'm not rearing children anymore. All my children are growing up. I would do time. Children today are left run riot until all hours of the night. No respect for themselves or indeed for anyone else. And yes, parents do have to take responsibility. That's come in from Phil. So Phil very much agreeing with the Gardaí you can't put the blame back on the schools. It's not up to the Gardaí to be running around trying to break up these organised fights. It's up to parents to step up to the mark and take responsibility. Someone else has an interesting point 
says, could all this be down to watching the likes of Conor McGregor? He certainly is no role model for young people. Those caged fights, I see that um, MMA, is it? Or, uh, I can't even watch that. I'm, I'm actually so bad. And that's two consenting adults who agreed to get into a ring and beat the living daylights out of each other. I literally, and I know Conor McGregor's last fight was it over in 40 seconds or something. And my hubby was watching it said, oh, it's only over 40 seconds during a look at it. And I said, I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't even watch. Even though I knew, you know, nobody died, but there was a bloody nose. I just couldn't. No, just, it just, is that, would you agree with that listener? Is that actually adding to it? Is that... Is that the bad, is that a bad role model to give to young people? You know, here's this guy who's made millions. Now, what he puts his body through in the training for it, you would have to respect him for. And that could be a good role model, you know, in in the training and all that. But then when they get into that cage, get into that ring and fight, is that leading to aggression in children? Is that leading to children to decide we'll organise our own fight? Is, is, does it go back to that? I don't know. 1850 So we'll speak with Alice, as I say, just on the whole friendliness. Actually, when I have Alice on as well, there's a really interesting piece from Dr uh, Chris Luke, who's now, of course, a, a senior lecturer in public health at the University College in Cork. He was, Chris Luke would have been well known for his work at uh, CUH. He's got a really interesting point. He's saying that we, as a society need to look back to the generation that grew up in the 50s and he reckons that they were a much more attractive generation than today's generation and you know he cites the example and we all have lovely black and white photographs of our grandparents and he said if you look at those black and white photographs they were such glamorous men and uh, women the, the men in particular in their gorgeous tailored suits and and he said like a lot of it a lot of them looking so well could be attributed to their dress sense that they did have a tendency to dress up for occasions in those tailored suits and they were trying to imitate the stars of Hollywood but he said you know if they were around today they would have wonderful photographs to put up on Instagram for example because they were such a glamorous ge- generation but he feels that a lot can be learned from their diet and that it's worth looking at their diet. And this was a generation from the 50s and back who had relatively little compared to what we had today. And they certainly ate less than what we eat. We, we, and they certainly didn't have processed food. What they ate would have all have been very, you know, fresh food, foods. They would have had a structured system of eating. They would rarely have had snacks in between meals. I mean, you know, they would have had their breakfast. They would have had probably dinner on the table at one o'clock. They would have eaten their dinner in the middle of the day for sure. And then they would have had something light at, you know, tea time for, for, for their supper. But they wouldn't have had all of the processed foods and they wouldn't have had access to all of the snacks. And then I would add to that as well, they worked harder. You know, they certainly worked harder than what a lot of today's generation did. But he reckons that they were, they're much more attractive than today's generation. And he reckons it's because of their healthier diet. And I'm sure Alice will have a view on that as well. She would have grown up in that generation where, you know, and they had good, you know, they had big dinners. I'm not saying that they went hungry, but they, it was just a healthier diet. And there wasn't a lot of obesity, certainly, back in those days. Now, we're going to be talking about eating disorders as well on the programme uh, today. And the Eating Disorders Centre in Cork, they are trying to highlight the issue of elderly people who are going undiagnosed with eating disorders. And, and we're going to talk in particular around the case of a man 
in his late 60s who came forward for help and realised he had, well he knew I suppose he had an eating disorder but he hid his eating disorder for so many years and finally got to the stage where he says I can't do this anymore, I need help and he came forward for help and that's opened up that whole conversation now around how many other older people are battling eating disorders and maybe have been battling eating disorders all of their, li- all of their lives and how do we get out to them? How do we reach out to them and get them the help that they uh, need? And then a very, very sad case coming out from a North Cork family who are fundraising to keep their little eight-year-old boy who's dying, unfortunately. He doesn't have long uh, to live. And they're, they've been forced to fundraise so that they can have a proper home care package. They want their little boy to remain at home. They want to remain a family for as long as they have left And the HSE has decided that they would give them some help. So they have help in the form of two night nurses, two nights a week, and that's it. So two nights out of the seven days and seven nights of the week, they have a nurse in. And for the rest, they're doing it all all on their own. I mean, that is, it is traumatic enough to know that you are looking after and minding and trying to make memories with a little boy who's not going to be around for very much longer but to expect the parents to also be providing all the nursing care is just it's beyond cruel so they've decided to do something about it themselves so they've gone public which is shameful that they've even have to do that and they've set up a GoFundMe page and they're looking for people to give any few bob that you might have just to help them so they can buy in care that they need, the bit of care that they need at this stage because he doesn't have very much longer left but it's just it's it's horrible, horrible, heartbreaking just really heartbreaking so we're going to speak with the, the young mother and she shares her story with us today on the programme. A member from Garda Siakona will join us for uh, Crime File and it also is Thursday so that means Jane Pickett our resident vet joins us in the final hour of the programme. Mairead continues to take your calls today at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. Kind of improving every year, but the goal, you know, just to, to drive on, try and win the Lauren Intermediate this year. The latest award winner is Josh Bozang of Russell Rovers. He's recognised for his part in the club's Cork and Munster Junior hurling success. The overall winner for 2019 will be announced at a gala banquet on Friday, January 31st. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognised outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. C103. For the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer, racing, anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be 
C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The Eating Disorder Centre in Cork has raised concerns about eating disorders in our elderly population after treating a man who went undiagnosed until the age of 68. Trishiel is the clinical manager with the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork and Trish joins me. Good morning to you, Trish, and you're welcome to the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for having us. Obviously, we're not going to identify this gentleman, but can you outline what you can tell us about this man and and what was going on with him? Okay, so in many ways, he would be typical of many people who would be classed with having subclinical eating disorders. So that would be people who would be literally um, not ill enough to get a formal diagnosis. Uh, but struggling in uh, in a way with food that would have the same co-occurring conditions like anxiety, depression, and all of the body image issues that would come with it. So he was struggling for years. And the other thing, of course, against uh, this particular man was that he was a man. And so, one, he had an eating disorder, and two, he was a man. So both of those things are um, go against somebody seeking help in the first place. And what do you believe finally prompted him to reach out and say, I need help here? Well, I think just knowing, hearing more articles, um, well, actually reading an article about ourselves in the paper. Right. And um, and, and uh, maybe just knowing that there's more talk on the radio and the newspapers generally. But that particular thing, he actually saw an article in the newspaper and just got the courage in that moment to to make the call. And you were, you were able to help him and you are helping him. And yes. and, 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 and yes. whenever I do interviews on eating disorders, Trish, I'm, I'm always pointing out that full recovery from an eating disorder is possible. Yeah, we absolutely believe that. Um, I mean, it is a long road. It can be a long road. And of course, if you've had an eating disorder for many years, it's going to be, you know, it's not an overnight uh, success uh, scenario people will work, have to work on their recovery but it is possible and um, it is possible for people to get life back to get enjoyment in life back to get fun back to get relationship back all of those things absolutely is Do you feel there is a lot of stigma around eating disorders? Oh huge huge stigma I mean again it's there are so many myths out there number one and uh, one of the biggest thing is that this is about young teenage girls Yeah So that really needs to be busted, that myth, because eating disorders affect everyone, regardless of gender, race, sex, whatever. doesn't matter. It affects everyone, regardless of where they might be. And it can come on at any age? It can come on at any age. I mean, the thing with older people, what we're finding is that it may have, they may have had an eating disorder when they were younger. Yeah. And it would have um, sort of gone into relapse or remained dormant and then it might kick off in older life. There might be late onset of an eating disorder or for some people it might be an enduring eating disorder for all down the years that they've been struggling with it. And you know I think there's been there's always stigma around I think mental health but I think we're getting better. I think people are I certainly have noticed people will open up more and say I suffer from anxiety, I suffer from depression, which is fantastic because yeah. you know 10 20 years ago you never would have heard people so openly talk about things that you know openly admit it. Yeah. But I but it's rare isn't it to be in a conversation for somebody to say I struggle with anorexia. 
Yeah, it's interesting, Patricia, because I said that to somebody the other day, um, somebody who, who didn't want people to know that their daughter had an eating disorder, and we were just having a conversation about it, and uh, we made that point that, yeah, people are easily, well, they will talk about suicidal ideation even, and it's very, um, I mean, there's a lot of empathy for that. I think with eating disorders, it is kept in the dark a lot because people, there's such judgments about it. But the only way to help people understand this severity of it is actually to talk. But yeah, people are slow to do that. And a new condition I hadn't heard of, bigorexia? Bigorexia, yeah. Well, that is that is like reverse anorexia, where a lot of uh, men, some men certainly, would feel that their body is too small. And so they want to bulk up. So they might start taking steroids, steroids protein oh. shakes, all of these things, anything to bulk up and doing a lot of gym work. And, and again, those people in the gym who might be doing that, it doesn't mean they have an eating disorder. You know? Yeah, but just... We have to be very yeah. careful about those things. But yeah, but that is certainly a condition, yeah. And uh, as with any uh, disorder or disease or cancers or whatever it is, early detection, Trish, is, is a vital just is so important really and truly um i mean we are having the eating disorder awareness week at the end of february and this year we're actually putting out a 40 posters on what an eating disorder is where it starts and all around right to the end and we really stress the importance of early intervention because it will save lives it saves years of needless worrying or suffering suffering for parents suffering for families suffering suffering for carers and, of course, the person themselves. I mean, it's very hard to find words to stress the importance of it enough. It yeah, and, so and, and I'm glad, you know, that you brought up the... Because it is important to mention that lives are lost oh, uh, yeah. to eating disorders. But, again, that's not something we hear a lot about. No. I, I suppose what, what we feel here is that this is such a major public health issue that is kept strictly under the radar. And it does need, I mean, it needs to, even this general election coming, I I mean, something I would be questioning politicians on is what is your policy about mental health and what is your policy specifically around eating disorders? Because unless it's really recognised nationally for for the dangerous condition that it is, unless people are made aware of how dangerous it is, unless people start to back it with empathy and understanding, we are still really in the dark ages. Well, I know I've been listening to Joe Duffy this week and some of those stories are Mm -hmm. just what families are going through and battling is just... Yeah, horrific. Oh, it's dreadful. It is, it is, it's bad. You know, it's tough enough to be trying to help her son or daughter, you know, deal with this disorder without the care not being there. It's it's shocking. And, And then because the condition itself can be so conflicting in a family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the p- people burn out. I mean, I met a couple recently and they're literally burnt out from it because they've not had the support they've needed. Yeah. And, right. it's, 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 and, and the thing with it as well is that it hides in plain sight. Yeah. And because people aren't talking enough about it, as you said, they're not willing to come out and just say, yeah, I have an eating disorder. And of course, it's a coping tool as well. So people 
the person themselves don't often want to it's the last, to it. the last thing the that other, they want to do that's the other thing okay listen I enjoyed my chat we might we, you might come back on to us again during the awareness week and, and, to, and, we'll, and we'll talk again yes, uh, but in the meantime Trish thank you for that and pass on our best wishes to that gentleman I hope he makes a, a full recovery but uh, well done for highlighting the issue because I think it's important we talk about it okay. thanks for joining thank us thank you Patricia God bless bye bye that is uh, Trish Sheila lovely lady she's the clinical manager with the Eating Disorders Centre in Cork Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie the C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 There is no easy way to introduce our next piece except to say it's one of the saddest cases we've come across in a long, long while. Helena Murray is a mother of three boys from Formoy and she joins me to outline a fundraising drive that the family have been forced to organise to cover the cost of private care for her little eight-year-old son, Jamie, who is dying. And uh, Helena Murray uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Helena. Morning, uh, I, I'm, well, I'm uh, very well and, and I'm, I'm heartbroken that you even are in a position that you have to do this, that you have to share your story in order to get the message yes. out. It's just, it's, it's beyond cruel that you're even asked to do that. You wrote on your GoFundMe page, Helena, that you're at breaking point. It's, yes. the, it's the nighttime care for Jamie that you most need help with, isn't it? Yes, Jamie, no needs are... So great that we know we need 24-hour nursing care and it's not safe for us to do it on our own anymore with no help. Um, we've never been able to rely on the system and at this point, myself and Mark, we just want to be his parents. Um, we just want to spend as much time with, with Jamie without all the stresses and worries associated with, with his unfortunate condition. And the HSC... Last July, we asked for night support, seven nights a week, so that we could get some sleep because we have to take turns every night um, to care for him because he needs suctioning, nibs, he needs, he's on oxygen, he starts to go up and down, he, he's constant care, um, he's only out of hospital with pneumonia, he's on his fourth antibiotic. He's not getting any better. He's finding it harder to respond to treatment and we just want to keep him comfortable at home as much as we can. So you're not just his mum and his dad, you're also his full-time nurses. Yep. And, nurses. and at, some, at some, some stage, someone in the HSE came up with the idea that they'd give you two nights of nursing cover, but just two nights. Yeah. yeah. We have, well, we have that with about a year, um, but when he was seriously ill in July last year, his kidneys were failing, so we thought he was, was, was it again. I don't know how many times we've said that. Um, he's a little fighter, but we had a big meeting with the doctors, the director of public health, 
nurse, um, his care team, his palliative care team, he, our social worker, um, our physio or OT came into the meeting and it was said that the public nurse was put in a business plan. I went into them last week and that business plan was denied. We got no notification that it was denied. Um, I'm constantly emailing them, no response. They won't ring me, they won't update me with what's going on. And she said she put in another business plan. And start the process all over again. But should yeah. that, could, that could take months. Months. And and do another, I can just call it, uh, so a line of where his ability is. And he's so high up, palliative care nurse um, said he is so vulnerable. He should be getting this. He's at the top of vulnerability to be getting seven nights a week and he was e- emailed Monday to do up another one of them and he said what do they want like it's been done already his condition isn't getting better it's getting worse and Jamie Helena has already defied the odds by yes. li- by living this long hasn't he he has yeah he's an amazing little boy and he's not going anywhere yet <laughs> but it, we're not naive we know he's Every week he's getting weaker and God love him, he's here now and he's on the couch and he's just looks pale. He's his breathing is a little bit heavy, um his oxygen is a little bit low so I had to put up the oxygen again. So it's a juggling game at home with him. Um he's not in fight he's not fighting infection as well as he was because his scoliosis is getting so worse, it's crushing his insides basically. Um, we've opted not to operate on scoliosis because it's a nine-hour operation um, and he could die on the table. He's just not able for it. He needs it, but he just it would be so cruel to do it to him um, as he's growing. So he'd have to have two operations nearly every year to, for the growing rods to be increased. That's just not, uh, that's just an, it's not an option. Um, no. Um, no. Uh, he's... He has very little sight and very little hearing, so he's technically deaf-blind as well. He is, yeah, yeah. And he's. Can he communicate he, with you at all, Helena? He babbles, um, like he definitely knows when his brothers are in the room and his dad and me, and he he reacts just by babbling. And when we touch his hand or his face, he knows that somebody's there with him. Um, but he can't tell us when he's in pain. He can't tell us when everything hurts him and he he just cries and we don't know where the pain is, whether he's got a VP shunt in his head, whether it's the pressure in his head, whether it's scoliosis hurting his body. Um, he's just, like, he's on morphine, he's in on our morph for the pain, so... Mary Munter are keeping an eye on that every week for us. Do you think he's, he is in a lot of pain? I'm hoping he's not, but it's so hard oh, for no. him to tell me. Yeah, but like any sign of pain, the minute there's any sign of pain, we just top him up straight away. Uh, and he has two work. big brothers, Jack and uh, Lucas. He does, yeah. Is there, a great, is there a great bond with the three boys? Oh, unbelievable bond, and they're friends, like Jamie's a part of their community, 
they're heavily involved with my GA and anytime Jamie's a part of this, their friends their friends grew up with him and are great support to Justin Lucas and they absolutely adore their brother. Like they'd be fighting over him. Um and they they love him sitting on their lap and then their hand goes dead and they'll be like, Mom, he's hurting my hand <laughs> so, Typical kids, do they do they know the reality of the seriousness of Jamie's condition? They do. They do. Yeah, we went to see UH yesterday and Lucas, the ten year old, was in an awful way because he was like, Mom, you can't go in, you can't go in, they're gonna keep you. Um since the day he was born, they knew he was dying because he wasn't even supposed to live. Um, they just know their mum and dad in hospital constantly. There isn't enough care there for, like, even when he's stable in hospital, I have to stay in with him. You know, you couldn't leave him. He was in for a week, three weeks ago. I didn't come home. So they didn't see me for a week. You couldn't leave him. You can't, yeah. No. Okay, you've set up a GoFundMe page, um, which, and I know you were on with their sister station, um, 96FM, uh, during the week, and, and, and you've been getting a great reaction. You're trying to raise money to pay for nurses, is that it? Yeah. So, what I'm intending on doing is getting support for, especially night time, but even on outings to bring, to go anywhere with Jamie. It's so hard. Like, I mean, yesterday we went to the hospital, we had the oxygen, we had the nebulizer, the suction machine, the feeding bag, um, everything for him. He could vomit, he could he could do anything. And even to get from here to the hospital, um, couldn't get parking outside the hospital. So my husband had to drop me off and... I could have done with another pair of hands to I know. Keep all this stuff in. You just, know? just somebody else there, an extra, an yeah. extra bit of backup. It's and are you, are you, are you obviously uh, are not working? Is your husband working, Helena? Are you, nope. No, you both, you both have to be at home. Yeah. Oh, and, and how yeah. is that working? Have you a mortgage? How's that working out? We have a mortgage. Yeah, our mortgage is thirteen hundred a month. Um, has to be paid. Like we need a, a roof on over our heads at the end of the day. Um, it's hard. We've we've suffered big time, and it has never. And we never feel Jamie is ever a burden on us. It's just his care and what comes with him is so unfair that we're not getting help. We're being absolutely discriminated on from every level. Like, we can't even get a loan to go get a loan. So who's going to give a loan to two people unemployed? Who are full-time um, carers for, for yeah. a terminally ill little boy. Yeah, we've had to fundraise for the necessities in life for him and for us, like, to get him into the car. We needed a wheelchair car. Our friends, neighbours, everybody, they've been just brilliant, like... Um, but like the nursing care, the nurses we have are just fantastic. They come in, they treat him like their own. They're a part of our family. Um, but they're just don't. But they're not there long enough. Is the problem no, though? They're not, there? No. And like even the nice care, 
package that they're saying they'll give me is for eight hours, um, which would have to be 11 to 7 or 10 to 6. So that means I have to get up at 6 yes. or 7 and I can't go to bed, which is fine. You know, but when you've had a long day with him and... You're exhausted. So you must be just permanently exhausted. Yeah, exhausted. Um, I'm smiling on the outside. Um, like, I have a lot to be grateful for. We've had eight fantastic years with him. Um, when he goes, he goes. We're not going to... We're not going to agonise the pain for him or the time left he has. We're going to just... We've agreed that we're not going to resuscitate him. We're not going to incubate him. If his heart fails, we're just going to leave him in peace. It's the humane thing to do. Um, we are going to treat him for chest infections and small things. But as I said, he's had a, ch- a really bad pseudomonas um, bug, which is not reacting to any antibiotics. So his treatment, he can't get IV lines anymore. Um, we can't find veins. Like we've had anaesthetic doctors come in to try and get veins. He's been clutched like a turkey inside and resourced. I don't know how many times um, everybody trying to get veins came to one point where he'd have been at the top of his head. Oh, um, so they put a candle in there. <sighs> okay, all right. It's just okay. it's re- it's just utterly heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah. Um, I've got to go to news at eleven, so I've got to leave it there, Helena. We will check back in with you. We're going to post up your Facebook page, uh, your you. GoFundMe page, which is it's called um, Jamie Murray's Jamie, Murray, uh, nursing. Jamie yeah. Murray Nursing Care. Care. We'll put it up on our Facebook page, Thank and we we'll, listen. You need to, you look after yourself. You really need to look after yourself uh, as well. Yeah. And I can't thank people so much for all the wonderful help that they're giving and I'm just delighted to be his voice. Okay, well done. He's got, he's, yeah. And he's very lucky to have you as a mum. We'll talk again, Helena. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless. Uh, that is Helena Murray uh, joining us from uh, Fomoy and we're going to be slightly late going to News at 11. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Court today. Court today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A couple of things to give a quick mention to Castle Magner Senior Citizens. Uh, they are resuming today after their winter break 12 noon to 2pm there will be a yoga session and a cuppa and a special talk by a professional on health and well-being especially on taking care of yourself if you are a member of Castle Magnus Senior Citizens you're back after your winter break from 12 noon and I know someone was on earlier about St Bridget's Crosses where's that here the locals in Whelan have made St Bridget's Crosses last night they're going to be on sale at the weekend at the four churches in Whelan Rockchap 
Apple Canturk and Newmarket. Also on the street in Canturk and Newmarket on Saturday. All money is going to grow mental health and they hold weekly meetings at the rear of Canturk Hospital. That's a terrific idea and a great idea for a fundraiser because I don't know how many schools still make St. Bridget's Crosses. There was a time I think when every single primary school made St. Bridget's Crosses and the children would come home and everyone would have a St. Bridget's Cross in their house but I don't know. I'm assuming that some schools still do it but for those that don't or who don't have children anymore at schools to bring home the cross. I think that's a, a lovely idea that you'll be able to buy them locally. So well done to, I don't know who the locals are, just as the locals in Whelan, a group obviously got together and decided to make the crosses. But lovely that they're doing it with the money going to Grow Mental Health, which is a wonderful organisation. So well done. So keep a look out for those all masses in the four churches, Whelan, Rock Chapel, Canturk and Newmarket and on the streets of Canturk and Newmarket on uh, Saturday. Uh, good luck to everybody selling those St. Bridget's crosses. And a listener says, hi, I just want to give credit to the passport office. My son ordered a new passport online after losing his previous one. It arrived today after two days. Yes, two days. That's from the online application. What an amazing service that really is. That online service is uh, fantastic. So well done everybody in the passport office. Please take a bow. Now some people reacting to my chat with um, Helena Murray. It's just heartbreaking. I was battling to even stay in the conversation. I was so upset. She's just um, just, and that inner strength that uh, a mum and the dad as well but that strength just to keep going and, and you do you become like a a tiger looking after your cub, your cubs don't you when it's your own child is suffering but the he's had eight years on this world and all of them have been tough all of them have been a battle he's defied the odds he was it was expected when there were scans done before he was born he wasn't expected to last long after birth and he did he defied the odds there and then it was oh he won't you know bring him home but he won't be around for long and they've had eight you know wonderful years but they've been eight tough years for the family and now that the the end has come you know they should just every single bit of care and need that they want should be fired at this family they should be falling over care so that whatever little time they have left as this little family of five that they can spend it together and spend it together making memories and just being together as a family without having to constantly worry about the medical side of it and acting as the nurse, you know, because you, you, you've got to detach them when, you, when you're doing medical bits and, you know, medical stuff that needs to be done. You're almost detaching because you've got to try and get into that, you know, the nursing mode almost and how how can you be a mum or a dad when you're you know more looking at oh what where's where's that line gone what's that stat on that machine saying what do I need to do with the oxygen what's happening here you know they should just be focused totally on loving him as they do but just spending time as a family it's just heartbreaking heartbreaking uh, someone says my heart goes out to uh, to that poor family and particularly the, the the mother and how brave of her to come and share her story and and. I did say that at the start. It is very brave of her, but it's wrong that she even has to come on the airwaves and share her story. They, you know, she shouldn't be forced. That family shouldn't be forced to go public to talk about Jamie's care needs. The care should be there. Uh, Jay says, Patricia, no, I'll have to rephrase some of the words. Obviously, Jay sent this text, was very angry listening to poor Helena and what Helena is going through. What kind of a bunch of, and I can't use that word, are, what kind of a bunch of people are in the HSE. That young lad is on palliative care and the end is near, unfortunately. And some, and I can't use that description either, some 
shall I say nameless person is making his mother start the procedure all over again looking for care everybody in the HSC and everybody involved in this case they should literally hang their head in shame says uh, Jay and someone thanks for that Jay someone else says I live near Formoy and I work as a carer I have a few nights a week free I'd be willing to help out at night with the nurse I'll do it for free see, people, see that's where people's kindness comes into it and even Helena said that you know the local community and you know her family and friends have all been so good and people are so good and I know I get Murray to check the the GoFundMe page that's up and running and because I know they set a target of 20,000 I'm hoping I'm hoping it even goes higher because I'm hoping that they'll raise enough so they can put the care in place and then they won't have to think about the fundraising aspect that there will be enough there more than enough there to cover the cost of the nursing care uh, that they need and I know before we came on air this morning it was close to the €20,000 mark but I, I really do hope it goes higher than that and we are sharing that GoFundMe page on our Facebook page as well if people if you have a few bob and it's all the you know, if somebody has a lot of money to give, it would be great. But it's all the small amounts. It's all the fivers, the tenors, the twenties, the fifties. It's all it's all that kind of amounts of money. That that's what adds up on all of those GoFundMe pages, and that's what will absolutely make the difference to this to little Jamie and and to the Murray uh, household. Uh, Frank says, "What have we become?" This is on Jamie's case. What have we become as a society that we can't support? this little child yet we've got retiring TDs and they're getting big pensions and we can't give a couple of hundred thousand to this family what's what's worse is knowing that this child is leaving this world they deserve dignity they do they, and that's what I said I just that's why I was even uncomfortable when we were making the decision yesterday to bring Helene on I was just saying I just was uncomfortable saying why do we have to ask this poor woman to have to sell her soul almost to tell her story and bless her heart when we did contact her and I know she had spoken on her sister station during the week and I know there was a piece Olivia Kelleher had the piece on the paper yesterday but we just said look if she wanted to do it and we weren't going to put any put any pressure on her at all and she was more than happy more than happy and obliging and willing to come on and, and talk with us today but but she shouldn't have to do it that's the point I'm making she shouldn't have to do it uh, we will keep in contact with her and, and update you on anything anything further we get on the story in the meantime we're directing people please to the GoFundMe page and if you have any spare bob at all that you can give please do and while that's all going on and we have this little boy you know fighting for his life on the flip side of that we're talking about young pups getting involved in antisocial behaviour in the Formoy area. It's just, thank you, Murray, the GoFundMe page has gone to over 20,000. It's 20,399 euro, which is great. And uh, let's hope that by publicising it today that we'll be able to add a little bit more uh, to that. Uh, anyway, back to the antisocial behaviour that's going on in Formoy. Some of your thoughts and comments in on this. Uh, Eddie in Mallow says, we have, we have new laws to stop children from getting a slap. We've ended corporal punishment in this country. Uh, people now are afraid to stand up even to their own children or else the parents could be brought to court. No wonder the children are living wild and that's what's gone wrong. That's what's wrong with this country and that's what we need to do. We need to get back to basics in this uh, in this country. Okay, also coming in on this, let me go back up to the top of the page here on the calls that came in earlier on these prearranged 
uh, fights. Fran from Archpatrick says, I think that there is no dignity and no privacy anymore and that's caused by social media and soap operas. Everything now is designed to shock when mothers decide to go shopping in their pyjamas. They are degrading themselves. Uh, We seem to have this I don't care attitude. We need to start teaching respect for ourselves. And by doing that, we'll have respect for each other. Billy and Bandit said a number of things are contributing to these prearranged fights by young people. One are the regulations that are in about disciplining their child. Parents can't discipline their children anymore or they'll be accused of abuse. Someone suggested that the MMA fights are a bad influence and I would agree with that. Conor McGregor could put the effort he puts into training for his sport into a more acceptable sport. Get, let's get away from violence. There's too much violence. Every time you switch on the TV, there seems to be violence on all TV programmes. Even trailers for children's programmes seems to have violence uh, in it. We need to put on more pleasant things on our TV. Go back to the days of uh, when we had... Um, Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. So there's nothing wrong with those movies for sure and there certainly wasn't any uh, violence in any of them. 1850 103. James and Marie says children are not being supervised properly. There are irresponsible parents being very care- careless. It can lead to all kinds of problems. Katie Taylor is also a wonderful role model. I don't like women boxing, says James. Women create life. They don't destroy it. It's quite possible that Katie is influencing kids fighting because seemingly some of these prearranged fights it's not just boys that are having fights it's girls uh, as well and that's something I find very difficult to see girls fighting you know when video clips go up on Facebook I can't watch any of those uh, either uh, but then I'm probably just way too, I'm way too soft on all this I just can't I just I think as I've gotten older I'm worse I just certainly can't watch any of it and uh, Martin Infomoy says um, the, on the these young people in these stupid pre-arranged fights Infomoy I blame the schools says Martin because they get a half day on a Wednesday and they get up to all kinds of things around the town I've actually seen them fight each other with Harleys I blame the school Schools, says Martin, in from why? Well, the Gardaí are saying that the schools and the Gardaí are not responsible for minding the children of the town or any town. And I suppose the school's attitude would be when we have a half day on a Wednesday, the parents know that there is a half day on a Wednesday. It isn't a case that the school suddenly closes and the parents don't know about it. They do know, they well know about it. So they should make arrangements and make sure that they have someone available to look after their children at, at all times. And then... Just on the whole for Moy one, there's a WhatsApp in from somebody who contacted the programme before from the Formoy area and was naming a particular estate where there was antisocial behaviour going on in Formoy. And the resident said at the time, local councillor Noel McCarthy said he didn't think there was any antisocial behaviour going on and that the particular estate was a lovely place to live in. Well, I myself and several other residents suffered the same antisocial behaviour several nights a week, similar to what you're talking about today, what's been mentioned in the newspapers and what the Gardaí are reporting on. These gangs of teenagers run riot in our estate and it happens several nights a week. There's drug taking going on, there's fighting, throwing stones at houses, intimidating certain residents etc. In the areas of the state where these lawless teenagers and some are even younger hang out, the Gardaí have been very good to us in Formoy in that they respond to the incidents of antisocial behaviour when we call them but their hands are tied. When it comes to dealing with these incidents we need a change in the law. 
law. We need to bring in consequences for these lawless youths. And that's just signed by a very concerned resident. And a lot of people are saying that even when these young people are caught, the guards, there's nothing that the Gardaí uh, can do. And I suppose that's probably one of the reasons why the Gardaí are coming out trying to say to the parents, come on folks, you need to step up to the mark, you need to know where your children are and what your children are getting up to. And uh, Timmy in Donora said he, this is to do with the friendliness which we're going to be talking about in a minute with Alice Taylor and are we losing our friendliness and it all kind of ties in with the whole respect thing with young people as well. Our society as a whole just seems to be changing. Tim says he was in England about three weeks ago and he was having a conversation with two English people and the English people were saying that England is a country where you exist but you don't live. It's a complete rat race these days. Tim is now worried that Ireland we're becoming the same. Everybody wants to have a nice house. Everybody wants to have a big car. Everybody wants to go away on multiple holidays every year. Long ago there was no competition between families. Everybody was equal. Everybody had the same. And and no one had much. Tim is the problem. And everyone was happy with it. All these so-called improvements has caused stress and it's bringing with us a whole host of problems. 1850-333-103. Maraid taking your calls today. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College. Now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. A general operative, now preferably from a construction background, is wanted to work in the North Cork area, while Rota Industries in Kanturk, they're looking for a service engineer. A trainee or a part qualified accountant is wanted, that's for a full-time position in Newmarket, while a Kilbritton construction company looking for a person who's willing to learn the trade experience is not necessary. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now I came across a piece online very early yesterday morning that worried me. It was our own lovely Alice Taylor who was fearful that a wave of unfriendliness is descending on Irish people. We had to have Alice on to join us to share her concerns. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. Now, what has prompted you to speak out was a walk you took last weekend in your own village of Inishannon. Tell me what you noticed. I'll tell you what I noticed. Well, it wasn't the first time, actually, Patricia, but, you know, this awareness, you know the way awareness kind of creeps in you slowly? Yeah, and uh, we've got a new uh, playground now, which is beautiful. And I'd say a lot of people are coming from outside of Inishannon, which is grand, and we're de- we're delighted. And um, and I was walking through, and there was a lot of people, you know, just walking around, going to the playground and different things. And just a lovely sunny, fine day. And you know the way if you're feeling good, you say hello. Yeah. And uh, you know there was reaction from a good few, but a, a couple of them looked at me as if I had two heads. You know, they were strangers, and I could under, I suppose, you know, um, it made me realise, you know, Patricia, that have we got out of the habit of saying, smiling at people? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, small towns and, and uh, villages all over Ireland did it for years. Then I went across the bridge, and as I was going over the bridge, I looked in, and there was a lovely young girl below. It was a beautiful dog who was having a great time jumping in and out of the river, and... Uh, 
she was on her mobile phone and she might as well have been inside in a bucket because she, she didn't, she wouldn't enjoy the river, the wood or anything. So anyway, then I went to the wood and a totally different reaction from the people in the wood. Now I wondered was it the natural environment um, kind of opened the door into friendliness or was it the different people go to the wood? I just don't know. And actually the car park, a dog wagged his tail at me. So I thought to myself, are the dogs the only crowd that are kind of reacting to strangers? It's just, it dawned on me. And then Arlene Quinlan was on to me the day after. And that's just what set it off. And we were doing, a, because we were doing a big, um, a big rake out in Saturday week. We are turning the bank outside the village into Wilds or Meadow. And we were round the upper mehel. So Arlene was doing a feature in the county for next Tuesday. And um, in the throes of the conversation, this came up. We started chatting. And um, I said to her, oh, she said, that's common. She said, that's creeping in everywhere. She said, I'll ask the news desk, would they be interested in doing an article? And she came back, oh, she said, I'm very interested. I think it's a big, it's a big change coming over rural Ireland. So that's how it evolved. And God, Patricia, I'm amazed, the reaction to it. You know, people are thinking, oh yeah, that's happening. Um, and it wasn't that you wanted these people to stop for a full-blown no, conversation no. where you were going to keep them half the day. No. It was simply a smile and hello, lovely and day. Yeah. You know, have you noticed it, Patricia? I, I, I have. And what was funny was I was over in England at the weekend yeah. and I was in a very rural part of Oxfordshire. And as we went for a little walk, I was doing my usual, hello, lovely day. And I could see people looking. And I was, oh God, I'm not, I'm not in Ireland. But we got chatting and I said, I had started to notice in Ireland. Yeah. People suddenly won't eyeball you. If you no. I mean, I think if the, if you get if you get there, uh, if you if they eyeball you, they will smile yeah, back at their yeah, hello. Yeah. But they will deliberately look down on the ground. Or the other one is they're on their phone, so yeah. you have no hope of saying hello no to them. No hope they're with the phone, but apart from the phone, are we afraid of each other, Patricia? But afraid of what? Afraid of what? I don't know. It's this. There's this sort of um. It's a kind of um. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it they're afraid to interact with people? Have we lost our ability to just to be smile and be pleasant? It was such a, it was such a, um, a common thing in Ireland. And, and, and amazing, I mean, tourists loved it, like. And still do. I mean, the Cade Meal of Falta, that's, yeah. that's what we sell this country on. That's right. And, you know, what, what um, to be pity if we lost it. And I think, in a way, is a lack of awareness. Do we realise the value of it? Mm. I, yeah, I think that's it. That's why I think, you know, putting it into the paper and us having a chat about it, yeah. I think it's just, it brings awareness. And I think, yeah. you know, people listening to us today now, if you're heading out afterwards, yeah. make a point of smiling at people. That's make a point of, like, and it's it's not going to take from your day in no. any way. And if anything, you know, passing a smile on to somebody else, there's something lovely about that. There is. And if people, you know, sometimes if, if, if someone's having a bad day, well, if a pleasant smile from someone passing, can, can do, it can cheer you up like it brightens the world a little bit we see I, I did an interview earlier this month so the first interviews I think we did when we came back after Christmas it mm. was with Scottstown GAA in mm. Monaghan mm. and they were bringing back an old tradition called making your Kaylee or I'm making my Kaylee and it was basically calling to, to a neighbour's house checking in on a lonely person Do you know yeah. if you baked an apple tart you'd say oh I'm going to go down to Biddy down the road I'm making my Kaylee and I'll bring the apple tart with me and it was just basically reconnect, reconnecting and I remember the lady I spoke with said it was something she now the actual phrase seems to be more up in Monaghan it's, I not, know. it's not a phrase we use down here but it basically is just 
calling in, yes. having, you know, you might only spend 10 minutes if you have an hour, great. But she said they, she remembers as a child her parents doing it and they particularly did it for older people who yeah. mind if anyone calling. And, and, and they're trying to do it again. And it struck me, that's what we need. We, we, we're losing communities. We need to reconnect. We need to re- reconnect. And you know, there a couple of years ago, a kind of killed had random acts of kindness. Yeah. And it, I mean, that could spread out, you know, just just kindness little touches of kindness and they're no big deal and they don't cost a lot but they're the really they're, they're the oil that turns the, the wheels of life aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Abs- a- other, absolutely. Yeah, otherwise we have, we have uh, I mean we talk about rural isolation but there's all kind, there's village isolation and town isolation and city isolation but you know it's just it's such an Irish thing and to be pitifully lost it. I, I mean, I remember, I'm, and I'm sure you wrote about it in one one of your books in in Inishan. And did, don't you organise, or didn't you organise an event for new residents? That's what we did. Yeah. I mean, meet the neighbours now. Meet the neighbours, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think most of the new people were. That's a good bit to go now. Like when the first housing estate came in many moons ago, and you know we were trying to think, oh, they're from the estate, like yeah. you know, we didn't know them. We had a meet the neighbours night, and um, um, a lot of the new people didn't come. They were they were a bit nervous of us. Yeah, you know, and um, so it's it, the, the, the resident community need to make the effort, but the, the people that come in need to make the, that's <laughs> true. Put their foot out as well. So it is, it's a kind of a combination, isn't it? But I think Patricia, if we're all aware of it, that you know, you know, it's a kind of start the conversation. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's 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 an awareness, and then it's everybody throwing a check on themselves and making sure that we're not one of those grouchy people that won't smile at the lovely Alice when she says hello, <laughs> hello to you. And then the other one, when I was thinking about this today, I think people have a tendency that you know, if you want to call to somebody, God, do I need to make an appointment? Do I need right. to ring? Whereas when when we were growing up, and and I'm sure very much the case for you, yeah. Alice. You, you, you just called in. You didn't you make try, an appointment. You, oh, you called in, and it was no. Yeah, you now you, you 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 as you say, you kind of feel you can't. You know, and in and in a way, like um, you 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 could in a lot of cases, people that you know way like you you know, it, and it's lovely for people to pop in, isn't it? Mm. You know, it. I mean, in a way, like oh God, I often think of the Blasket Island peoples. We live in the shelter of each other. We do, we do, we do. And in a way, like there's a lot of, um, you know, sort of um, loneliness and people on their own. And uh, and apart from that at all, like I sometimes think, um, you know, Patricia, if you and your husband moved into a new area, you've no connection with the place. Yeah, and you've no children. Yeah. You can be so lonely. Yeah. Because if you have children, they go to school, you meet the village crowd at the school gate, and children break ice. Children are great, and they're great to make friends. They're great to make friends. They don't, doesn't bother them a bit. They're playing within two minutes. So there's a, so I remember we start, you know, we bring out in a Shannon candlelight every Christmas. And I remember, and this is years ago now, I remember saying to one woman, you know, you came in here a total stranger, and your husband a total stranger, and you moved in, well, it was outside the village. I said, would you ever write an article about what it is like to move into a, a community where no, where you know nobody, and nobody knows and your nobody name. Nobody knows you. How difficult is it to um, kind of get incorporated into it? And what she said to me, Patricia, if I wrote the article, she said he'd never again talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and there you are you're one of the friendlier villages um, you, see, so you, you know it's 
strolling and it, actually you know strangers you know people think oh god it's only wasted and I remember being in a flight somewhere I don't know I don't travel that much but I was and there was there was I was on I must have been on my own or there was a seat next to me and a woman sat beside me she was in her own and she ran a flower shop and um I didn't know if Madam or she, me, but we had a big conversation. Well, Patricia, I learned more from that woman I know. about the care of flowers and if you get a bouquet of flowers and prolonging the life of flowers. And I was always grateful to her afterwards. So sometimes you can you can kind of um, benefit hugely you can, because in the heel of the hunt, there's nothing more interesting than people. And a chance encounter like that. But you can be unlucky. I remember, or you can. I remember a friend of mine doing a nine-hour flight somewhere and got pinned in by the grouchiest man under the sun oh who my. wouldn't even speak. And when she God. needed to go up to go to the loo, he huffed and he puffed. <sighs> and she I just said you were just unlucky. You could have you could have equally have met somebody as you said, somebody really interesting. Moraid in West Cork says totally agree uh, with Alice as regards the friendliness of this country. It sadly is becoming a myth. The Cape Mead fault of Ireland is quickly being whittled away. People don't talk anymore. Even if you're in company, notice people. They're all on their phones. Yeah. Um, when people come on holidays they are now going to start to wonder where is it gone where is the island of the friendlies Uh, Patricia you mentioned travelling on trains in England it happens on the Cork to Dublin train now it's so sad people don't talk to each other anymore yeah they don't yeah and that's uh, yeah do you know what I think is lovely in a train if you see I know it's rare if you see someone knitting yeah yeah you know, it's the minute it needs invites conversation. It does, it does. I would straight away talk to somebody if they took out a pair of knitting needles. Well, that's <laughs> true, because there's something kind of, I don't know, non-threatening about a knitter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, listen, you, you started the conversation, which is great. So we, we just need to get everybody just reconnecting again. And just yeah. one other piece that I want to, this is making the papers today. Dr. Chris Luke, who used to work in um, CUH, he was in the A&E doctor. He's yeah. now a, a lecturer in Cork University. He's got a really interesting piece out today yeah. where he's saying that the men and women of the 1950s were much more attractive than today's generation. And he's putting it down to a healthier diet. They uh, they had a structured system of consu- consumption breakfast, dinner and tea rarely had snacks uh, in between and they had a much simpler life they didn't have much. He said that it was the benefits of austerity. He said, whereas today we seem to be dealing with the disadvantages of prosperity. He said it's balance and that, you know, that, you know, he, sp- he spoke about the way, you know, the the pictures you'd have of your, the black and white photographs you'd have, have of your grandparents. Yeah. And they were so well dressed. They tended to dress for occasions yeah. with the, the tailored suits. Yeah. And, and, and they were all lovely and slim. He, yeah, he, he had a point. He, I think he has a real point. Yeah. We need to, we need to go back to basics. That's right. You know, and you know, nothing in between. Patricia, there was no surplus to be eating things in between. It wasn't there. And you didn't waste. No, you didn't. They didn't waste supper. And that oh, was it. Well, Jackie, do you still have your dinner in the middle of the day? Yeah, we were like John, Jackie Healy raised. <laughs> and do you still today? <laughs> Yeah, more or less. I, I, I would, I would have a big. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big breakfast person. Yeah. I love my breakfast. For some reason, I think my mother beat that into us. She always said, breakfast set you up for the day. So I would be, you know, um, 
an orange and morning and my big plate of porridge and brown bread and homemade marmalade. I love my breakfast and I hate to rush it. And, and you know, the occasion that I would if I hate it. So I kind of make a big thing about my breakfast. After that, then I'm not too bothered. But I would have, uh, you know, in the middle of the day, I would make something more quiet. Would you? you know, but I wouldn't be big indeed, to be honest with you, Patricia. Well, there I, isn't a pick on you, so we can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if there was something good going on, I could forget to eat. <laughs> oh, God, the, wor- the worst thing you could do. Listen, it was a, a pleasure as always, um, Alice, and we hope everybody smiles at you when you're out on your walk oh, this weekend. Yeah, that they smile at each other is more That's important. it. That's it. Listen, yeah. pleasure. Okay, Mind yourself. Time. God bless. Bye-bye. The, the wonderful Alice Taylor uh, joining us from Inishan in 1850-333-103 and said we used to go for lots of walks to Donnerell Park, especially on the Sunday. You'd say hello and good morning to people as you'd walk by. But sometimes I noticed there'd be a kind of a skitting at you as if, what are you doing saying hello to me kind of thing? Should we don't do it anymore? Should it's changed. Society is definitely changing and the people are just not as friendly as they used to be, which is which is awful. Pat, in for my reckons, it all goes back to basic manners. If you taught basic manners, one of the basic manners you would be taught, you know, if you're walking by someone, you look at them, you make eye contact and you say hello. But Pat says, don't give, give up on it when you are walking. Continue to make that eye contact. Continue to say hello to people. And if you just start it, the next time they see you, they'll go, oh, there's the man who says hello, I better say hello back. And they will start saying hello. So we need to, we need to just reach out. We need to reach out and reconnect. And I think that's what the whole conversation uh, is about. Sheila thinks they are more friendly in the city. She said, I love going to the city on my own. I meet new people all the time. Well done, Sheila. Well done. And that's up to you, though, as well. You're obviously a very outgoing, friendly, open person and you're open open to people talking to you and uh, chatting. Mairead continues to take your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I spotted a text in on a cancellation of a Kaylee in the old schoolhouse foil in Ballydesmond that was due to be held tomorrow night and it's been cancelled due to a local bereavement. So it's the Kaylee off for tomorrow night in the old schoolhouse in foil. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 and it's time for this week's uh, Garda Fire. We're going to Kinsale Garda Station where I'm joined by Garda Lisa Harrington. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning. And, and you are welcome. And we are starting with burglaries well, that you're looking for some help with. That's correct, Patricia. So um, we're talking about um, burglaries in the Knocknagree area. Um, so this, these occurred on the 17th of January um, this year where two houses were broken into. And this is, again, the Knocknagree area. And um, it's alleged that these have occurred between 1 and 1.30 p.m. in the day. Houses were entered um, through back doors and items were taken from the houses. Um, now, luckily, these houses were unoccupied at the time. But Gardaí have reason to believe that a silver Volkswagen Golf is linked to these crimes. And it was seen in the area on the day, which is, again, the 17th of January, which is a Friday. So anybody in the Knocknagree area who may have seen that vehicle, a silver Volkswagen Golf, whether acting suspiciously or that they believe it may be linked to those burglaries, are asked to contact 
um, Gardaí and Mill Street there who are investigating those crimes. Okay, and are they may have seen it in the days leading up to, Absolutely. they could have been casing the area yeah, so as a, well. A silver Volkswagen Golf. Okay, some thefts from farms. Yeah, that's correct. So um, there's, um, firstly, there are two separate incidents, um, attempts to take galvanised gates from two separate farms. And this is again on the 17th of January this year, um, where when this was in Castletown Bear. So in, in the first attempt, they failed to take the gates, but they did try. And then the second attempt um, in the Iries area, a 15-foot galvanised gate was removed from a farm. So not an easy thing to take. They're heavy items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So again, a similar theft um, on the 24th of January in Castletown Bear, where more gates were removed off a farm overnight. Um, so, I mean, a couple of those incidents, they're very heavy items, not easily easy to conceal. So if anyone saw anyone suspicious in the area, vehicles that they might not recognise, we just ask them to contact um, Gardaí and Castletown Bear. OK, and I'm assuming, would they need some kind of a trailer to transport them then? Yes, that's, yeah, okay. that's correct, yeah. So if people keep a look out if you're, sp- if you're spotting trailers, yeah. yeah. So just, on, on, and on that date as well, um, on that night, um, another farmyard in Castletown Bear was also entered um, and items of value were removed from the yard. So that was Friday the 17th of January, uh, a lot of activity in that area. So anyone with any information is just asked to give them a call there at the local station. And silage bales. Yeah, that's That's an correct. unusual theft. Yeah, very unusual. That that occurred 27th of January um, in the Balance Spittle area where a quantity of bales were removed. And again, not an easy thing to conceal. Would have needed uh, machinery to remove them. So anybody in the area of Balance Spittle, and that was the 27th of January overnight into the 28th, if they had any information on that, they're just asked to contact Balance Biddle Guard Station. Okay, and all of those crimes there showing how important farm security is. And yeah, that ties absolutely. in nicely because tomorrow is National Community Engagement Day. That's correct, yeah. So tomorrow, the 31st of January, Gardaí with many other organisations have organised um, a National Community Engagement Day, which is a main role on national rural safety and promoting I suppose, approaches for delivery of a rural community policing service. So um, local Gardaí with IFA reps and reps from community groups who are involved in the National Rural Safety Forum will hold um, what we are calling engagement events with the local community. And these are going on all across Ireland. So the engagement events, as I say, they're running all over the country tomorrow. And, um, for example, our own crime prevention officer will be present at a stand in Skibbereen Mart tomorrow. He will also attend McCroom Mart on Saturday, just offering crime prevention advice and um, just things relevant to rural policing. You know, the events are running in many small villages all over West Cork. And I had a quick look before I came on air. And I think there's 35 different villages and towns participating in West Cork holding these events. And they're in local post offices, co-ops and creameries. Um, and I know they're all over North and East Cork as well. I, mean, I, I don't think country. no matter where you are in a rural area, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to meet up with somebody about this, uh, speaking on this National yeah, Community yeah, yeah. Engagement so, Day. I mean, if, they, if people want information, on, you know, there's a full list online on, on the Garda website. Or if you don't have internet access, give your local Garda station a ring or give They'll me a call you. here at Kinsale. I can get that information to you. OK, people. you're very good. Let's stay in Kinsale where there was criminal damage uh, done earlier this week. That's correct, yeah. So um, criminal damage to two separate vans. They were burnt out in Kinsale on the night of the 26th of January into the early hours of the 27th. So the 26th of January, which was Sunday night, from about 11pm onwards. So the two vans, which weren't located too far from Kinsale Town, contained a number of valuable items. You know, it wasn't too late. So anybody who might have seen anyone in the area, anything they believe to be relevant, just to give us a call here at Kinsale 
Garda Station, we'd be interested in talking to them. You want to give a mention to fraudulent text messages during the rounds? That's correct, yeah, something we're constantly talking about. Um, but it's just that people have been reporting, receiving a text message, which is giving a link to fake websites. So the texts are varying, claiming to be from, you know, be it revenue or the bank or people being told they've won vouchers or trips. And the text messages will contain a link. When people click on the link, it will ask them to supply personal information and our advice is, as always, banks and revenue and things like that will never ask for any personal information. They won't advise you over a text to change any of your personal login information. So just never respond to these messages looking for any of your bank login information. Um, and don't click on the links. If you believe the message is, is a fake one, obviously delete it. And if you have clicked on it or you have any concerns, we just say to, to contact your bank or contact your local Garda station. Okay, and you contact the bank on the number you normally contact the bank Absolutely. on. Don't go to any link uh, to get uh, a an, an number. Okay, and there was uh, a search for a missing person in Kinsale that you want to wish you a thank you. Yeah, that's behalf. correct. Yeah, this occurred last week, um, uh, search in the Kinsale area. So just the family wished to say how much they appreciated all the work and the time and effort that many people made, as do we, the Gardaí, wanting to thank everyone who volunteered and, you know, they left aside their daily work and they assisted in carrying out searches, which was going on for a number of days. So just a big thank you to everyone. Okay, well done. People are really good. And uh, to finish off, some uh, drug awareness for parents and guardians. Yeah, that's right, Yeah. So unfortunately, I suppose drug taking is very common in today's world and children and young people are becoming exposed to drugs from a very early age um, and I suppose it's important that parents and guardians are aware of what's going on. And it doesn't matter, this isn't, at once t- one time we would only be talking about this about children that lived in built up uh, no. urban areas of cities. There isn't a rural area, rural village that hasn't been touched in some way by drugs. Absolutely, yeah. You know, oh, it's across every community now, as I say, it's extremely common and I suppose we just want to try and put a few little messages out to people, you know, um, I suppose in terms of, you know, trying to prevent someone from taking drugs, there's no sure way to prevent your child from using drugs. But, like, I suppose you could try and decrease the chances of it happening. You know, we try and say to people to, you know, have an open discussion with your children from quite a young age about drug use. You know, in today's day, that's what we need to do. You know, quite often children and young people are receiving inaccurate, mixed messages about drugs, be it from their friends and so on. But it's important that the facts of drugs are explained to children and young people at the dangers and the harm the drugs cause, as well as the addictive nature. They need to be explained to them. And the warning signs, if you think, because nobody wants to believe that their Johnny or Mary could be taking drugs, but no. everyone has to wake up and smell the coffee and realise they could be taking drugs. So what, what do we need to look out for? Yeah, so I mean, look, just bear in mind that some of the things I will say in terms of warning signs can be a general, you know, they're a general sign of drug use, but they can be linked to other reasons. But there are common signs which may be linked to drug use. So, I mean, things like um, if you notice a lot of secrecy about activities or, you know, someone begins to lie about things, um, staying out unusually late or unusual sleeping patterns would be something. Um, Another thing, if someone has suddenly a lot of new friends, perhaps an older crowd, um, it would be kind of a warning sign, lack of interest in old hobbies, you know, one which would be kind of concerning, you know, mood swings, which isn't uncommon in teenagers and young people. But if the person is suddenly having very aggressive tempers and very irritable behavior, another little thing we would say is, um, you know, if you notice your child isn't taking care of their appearance, you know, another another thing would be stealing. If they're stealing from the home or outside, 
it would suggest that maybe they need money. They're trying to, um, you know, sell things. They need money to buy drugs. Um, and then another thing might be, you know, losing their appetite or their weight. Um, or as well as that, if someone, a parent or guardian, finds unusual items or objects that, in the house, you know, things that would suggest drug use, which would be plastic bags, small little bags, powders, Small, small pieces of folded paper and so on. Um, so it's and un- unusual smells, like yeah. the smell of cannabis, for example, is a very distinctive smell. Absolutely, yeah. So, like, it's just important to know about the signs, I suppose. And, like you say, there are smells and things like that will all suggest a different drug use. But, you know, definitely a, a drop in, you know, school results, being secretive, you know, change of friends and sleep, like unusual behaviour. You know, you just say to ask your child, um, ask them about it, find out why they've changed. Like like I said, it could just be a normal sign of being a teenager, but um, it's better to find out, you know. But uh, Yeah, and it all goes back to that whole thing of keeping the lines of communication open. And that can be difficult in the teenage years. Absolutely. But just to try and keep connected and try and keep talking to your child. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's extremely important, yeah. You know, um, there's plenty of informa- information and help out there, I suppose, but it, it starts at home and that's where, um, you know, parents are going to notice it first and it, it has to start there. Okay, and the HSC has uh, some a good website that yeah, we can they, direct people to. Yeah, so it's drugs.e. Very easy to remember. It's a HSC run website. It has very lots of um, easy read information for parents and young people. It's well worth a look. And I suppose if people wanted, if you wanted to talk to somebody in person, the West Cork Drugs Unit is based here, or is based at Bandon Garda Station, um, or you know your local GP as well could always point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's tough, isn't it, for a parent to go into the guard the station? Yeah. But you can go in and have a chat in privacy. You can nothing. absolutely come yeah. into any guard and have. You're a not chat going in to private. get your son or daughter into trouble. No, absolutely yeah. not. You know, we have plenty of um, information and advice in the guard stations just to have a chat. Um, you know, private, totally confidential. Okay. All right. Uh, listen, a mind of information as always, uh, Lisa, and good luck to everybody involved in that national community engagement today for tomorrow. Thank you for that. Thank Thanks you. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Garda Lisa Harrington, who is based at Kinsale Garda Station. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some breaking news if you're a Tom Jones fan. And if you are a Tom Jones fan, you didn't get your ticket for Live at the Marquee, you're too late. We've just been told that Tom Jones Live at the Marquee has uh, sold out, uh, gone completely. Uh, So well done if you were one of the lucky ones to pick up a Tom Jones ticket then you're one of the few because uh, there will be no more going on sale. Now John Abandon was on to say that the oh sorry I've just been told 
Uh, Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree, who's on The Voice UK on Team Tom, oh, is going to be on the programme tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. All right, I will look forward to that. And there's somebody who knows Tom Jones really well because she's made Team Tom on The Voice of UK. John and Bandon was on. This is to do with the story that's running on the news that's coming out from the National Car Test Centre, the NCT, that there's something wrong with the lifts. Well, they've broke, well, they haven't broken down, but they're fearful that there's cracks appearing in it. Story started first with the MOT which is the equivalent of the NCT in the United Kingdom and it was something to do with the MOT the lifts in the MOT that they were using in Northern Ireland and I imagine across the United Kingdom and they discovered these cracks and they discovered oh we use the same ones in the south for our NCT so because of that it's kind of a health and safety issue because the cars go up in the lift and then obviously the inspector goes in underneath them and if they're cracking in any way you know you could have you could just imagine what could go wrong at just the wrong time so because of that while they check out how they fix this problem or will they have to get all new lifts put into all of the test centres but what they're now saying to people is you still turn up for your NCT if you've got it booked but when you go you'll only be able to get 90% of your test done the 10% which is done when the car is up on the lift obviously won't they won't be able to to do that um, and they're saying that you'll be able to come back when they've got the lift issue sorted out and they're saying there won't be an extra cost even though I did think of people and this does happen in some cases where people have to take time off work to bring their car for an NCT will it mean having to take more time off to go back to get the 10% of the test done but anyway I digress so you go along you get the 90% but John is wondering will, what will happen if you were involved in some kind of an accident and it can be proven that it was something to do with a failure in the car that would have been shown up on the 10% of the test when it's up on the lift will you actually be covered out on the roads if you're if well, will you be only covered on the road if only 90% of your test is done well you certainly will be covered for that but the bigger risk is if something is wrong with the car that would have shown up, that would have made your car not roadworthy. That's where I think we, we could have a big issue. But absolutely, they're saying the NCT will be recognised for the 90% of the test, but you are going to have to go back, John. You can't just leave it at that. You're going to have to go back when they have this issue with the lift uh, finally sorted out. And I just want to reference something that we did yesterday. Remember we were talking yesterday, I was highlighting a case that really annoyed me yesterday. I had a bit of a rant yesterday afternoon about it. It made the papers. It was to do with the guy from somewhere up the country I can't even, can I even remember where he, where he was from and he was involved in this what now looks like it was some kind of a staged accident he had claimed that he'd been knocked off his bicycle yet the car was never traced and then he'd been injured and his back was in a desperate state and he needed to use a wheelchair and he was on crutches and he was up at the high court claiming all kinds of damages and that his he, he the because of this accident he had suffered considerable disruption uh, to his life and because the car couldn't be traced he was suing the Motor Insurers Bureau of Ireland the MIBI which compensates victims of uninsured and untraced drivers that you and I and all of us pay into and it is a good bureau to have there and it's only right and proper that if somebody is involved in an accident with somebody who's uninsured or car can't be traced then you know you shouldn't be at a loss I can understand that but this guy was a bit of a scam artist for sure and he turned up to the High Court in his wheelchair with his crutches and all of that only to be shown some film footage of him walking around Dublin walking around the city centre without any crutches you see him on the video footage being helped into the office where he was getting some kind of a medical check done but then you see him later on folding up the wheelchair himself 
picking it up and putting it into the boot of the car, throwing the crutches in on top of it. You see him going for a little kind of a hop, skip and a jump at one stage. Then you see him a little bit later on completely walking around the city and absolutely nothing wrong with him. So, of course, as soon as this video footage was shown to this man, uh, Constance Isaka, the name is impossible to pronounce, Ozaka, I-O-S-C-A doesn't say where this gentleman is originally from but he lives in Lusk in County Dublin anyway lo and behold the video footage was shown to him and his uh, counsel returned to say his client would be withdrawing the case and of course that infuriated so many people including my good self because seemingly the MIBI will now refer the details to Angarda Siakona but the fact that this guy was able to walk out of court or get pushed out of court in the wheelchair or hobble out on the crutches was what annoyed me. We need to change our laws that when something like that is pointed out that is clearly fraud, he should have been nabbed there and then. And I know the the costs have been awarded to the MIBI and they're going to have to go after this guy and I hope he does pay up. Well, that prompted Tom to contact us to say he listened with interest to me talking about that fraud story. He said a neighbour of his who shall remain nameless, obviously. I'm not even going to name the area. He got a slight tip from behind a few years ago and it was an elderly man rear-ended the back of Tom's neighbour's car. Well, Tom says, did my neighbour go to town on him? He surely did. He had a collar on. He sued him. Tom said he laughed in my face and admitted to Tom, there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I'm going to take this guy for all he's worth, that kind of an attitude. He ended up walking away with €17,000, obviously the old whiplash uh, case. He then went back and sued for his children who were also in the car and the children ended up getting €10,000 and nothing wrong with any of them. Tom says now, having listened to this case, he said, I'm really sorry that I didn't report him at the time. It was totally wrong. We, we all, we are now, he said, all end up paying to, for him to play video games all day because he's now living off the, even though 17,000 and 10,000 even though 27,000 it's a nice sum of money but uh, if he's he won't live the rest of his life off it but it's will he go back and have another case that's what gets to me is when you'll see the same it'll turn out the same person has been in court two or three times what they could be that unlucky our entire family members are all in court like could they gee could they all really be that lucky that they all end up with the whiplash it is really really frustrating that is for sure. Okay, we have been talking about friendliness with our lovely piece that we did with Alice uh, Taylor. And someone was on, I was trying to find, there's so many different texts and calls coming in and on different services. Here it is, Phyllis. Thank you, Phyllis, for this. Phyllis says, I live in Castle Street in Dunmanway. 40 years ago, I moved into the street knowing absolutely nobody. and I was warmly welcomed by my new neighbours. And the same remains today when new arrivals come into the street they're warmly welcomed by everyone it's a case of if you need anything just call I'm down the road I'm two up I'm across all the neighbours are friends they're respectful of each other at all times up Castle Street uh, says Phyllis that's in Dunmanway that's lovely and I know there are many many other neighbourhoods just like what Phyllis describes there and long may they continue but unfortunately we also have other communities where nobody people don't even know their neighbours anymore and we have entire housing estates where there is huge busyness in the morning between say 7 and 8 everybody's leaving to head off to work and there's nobody there during the day and that does seem to be a huge problem as to why 
communities are not connecting because then people come in at the end of the day and they're exhausted and they might have dinners to do, you know, housework to do. If there's children, there's homework to be done. And of course, so the cycle starts all over again. But yeah, there are many communities like that. And it's lovely. There's a lovely, lovely description of Castle Street in Dunmanway, uh, Phyllis. And you know something, my, my late mother used to always say there's nothing like good neighbours because she was a bit of a blow-in into Clamell and Tipperary and that she had lived in England. She was English and she, when she married my dad, uh, she moved in and, and our next door neighbour became, they became as close as sisters because she didn't have any family close family living around with the shed cousins all right but she didn't she was she only had one brother she didn't have any sisters and my next door neighbor they were like sisters and my next door neighbor who had his sisters used to say about my mother I'm as close to your mother as I'm more close than I am to any of my sisters and I think you know you can't beat good neighbors they can be better than family members that's for sure and I know we have in the past done that done pieces about good neighbors and we've got some gorgeous stories in from people who talk about neighbors and how great neighbours are and that's a wonderful thing and long may that continue long may that uh, continue Okay also coming into us on this is Hi Patricia I heard you speak on the radio this morning about the lack of manners nowadays. Well, my child got injured injured in a match about three and a half months ago. He ended up having to spend two days in hospital. Now, they got a couple of messages on the night of the injury from fellow teammates. You know, wish them best and hope everything's OK. But since that, not one message from any of his teammates. These people are supposed to be friends and fellow teammates. Where's the compassion? Where's the feeling? for our other fellow human beings. God forbid if anything happened to my child, as in if he passed away, they'd all be there for the funeral and the big show on the day. Society has lost its humanity, says Anne, which which is, that's, that's a sad thing to see it in young people that they initially say, oh, how are you doing? And then after that, they just forget about the, the person. I don't know if your son has reached out to any of his friends sometimes. And I know he's the one that's injured and it should be the other way around. But sometimes maybe if you reach out uh, to people as well and, you know, but it's, 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 that is sad if it's happening with our young people uh, today, for sure. Uh, Journey says, Patricia, so many people are looking to outside of themselves for happiness. We need to look within ourselves. That's where you'll find all the answers to life. Life needs to be lived holistically, not just on a physical level. Uh, thanks for the show. That's from Geraldine. Thank you, Geraldine, for that. And Sheila says, this is when I was talking to Alice about there was a generation where the, where the mammies were always at home and, and I wonder, there were simpler times, but there was a better connection in society and children certainly had much more respect for parents at home and they didn't get up to anything because they knew all the neighbours the neighbours knew all of them and they wouldn't act out because if mammy wasn't around to see them one of the neighbours uh, would see them and I'm wondering have we lost something because and it's not, of no fault to young families today but in many cases they've no choice but they both have to go out to work uh, Sheila says in England there's a movement called Trad Wives it's a return to the 1950s family values now Sheila put in brackets without the male domination how nice would it be to return to the times when respect for parents etc was the norm so I took a quick look during news at 12 midday about this Trad Wives and Sheila's right and I think actually I saw something online that you know you kind of glanced over and said I must go back and read that again and it, it was it was a, it was exactly the piece that Sheila was talking about and this is it's a new collective of modern housewives 
and they're self-styled and they're going under the hashtag of Trad Wives and what they're deciding to do now in many cases these are professional women and women who were out of work they've decided to give up forget about going to work and they've decided it's a kind of a stand in a way against feminism from what I can just just looking at the articles that I looked at during the news at uh, 12 midday but they're taking a stance and they're saying and they're decreeing themselves that it's the woman's role is to remain in the house but they're also now some of the very extreme trad wives are agreeing to be submissive to their to their husbands who will pass them on a monthly uh, allowance and then they will do everything at home they'll do the cooking and the ironing and the cleaning some of the very extreme trad wives are totally going back to basics and they're they're doing all of their cooking from scratch and they're getting rid of the microwaves uh, and all of that but there seems to be it, there's a bit of a trend there's a bit of a movement and the online obviously is helping to promote uh, the movement and I know there's some people making money uh, out of this by you know d- setting up a U- YouTube uh, channels for example there's one YouTube channel that seems to be really advocating this trad wives and it's called the Darling uh, Academy and uh, you know it shows you how to look after your wife and how to raise the children but it's basically it's going back to an era where women completely stayed at home as I say it's under the hashtag Trad Wives if you want to check it out and thank you uh, Sheila for passing that on and Mag said this is when we were talking earlier about discipline and the fact that discipline is gone Mags said a man slapped his child and ended up in court and the judge sent the man for anger management you can't do anything to children anymore for fear that that's what would happen to you for fear that you would end up in court and Mary says with regards to the, oh this is what Dr Luke Dr. Chris Luke, who was saying that the the men and women of the 1950s were more attractive and it's got a lot to do with the way they lived their lives. Mary says, with regard to the generation gone being more attractive, us ladies will have to go back to the Pond's moisturiser and cold cream. There's too many ingredients in some of the products uh, nowadays, says Mary. Can you still buy Pond's? moisturiser and can you still buy cold cream I certainly remember my mother my grandmother was a great fan of the ponds and my mother certainly used to use cold cream are they still available and yeah because when you look at the amount of products now that are on the market today for us ladies and many of them are just astronomical prices as I say when I was away at the weekend on Monday flying back into uh, coming back from Heathrow I had kind of a little bit of time to to kill and I just wondered I always kind of used the opportunity to you know buy the favourite perfume at the even though the duty free is gone but that'll be coming back with Brexit won't it we'll be getting some bargains again but I was just wandering around you know but it's a massive airport Heathrow I was running around the ladies section and I was just looking at some of the prices on some of the creams has is that got to do with the ingredients that's in it maybe Mary is right maybe go back to basics anybody still using and can you still buy Pond's moisturiser and cold cream is it still uh, available but Dr Chris was making the point that a lot of it is to do with what our parents and grandparents ate they didn't have any of the processed food. They tend tended to far less on their plate. Our portion sizes are way too big. And they tend to eat exactly as we are told to do by science, what science are telling us to eat nowadays. And this would have been before the science came out. But, you know, having a lot of the colourful 
vegetables on your plate and to have the mixture of meat and veg. He said they seem to have got the balance. They knew what worked for them. They knew the mixture of the carbohydrates and the proteins and the fat. They realised, for example, the advantages of fat as in fatty bacon and fatty offal. He said they ate cods, roux, liver, kidneys, tripe, all of which tend to nowadays be wasted because people find them unattractive. Yet, he says they're, it's a very nutritious part of the animals. People, he said, always didn't eat meat every day. They couldn't afford to eat meat every day. They had a tendency to fast on a Friday, which he said is typical. What is the, the today there is, you know, this 5-2 diet where you fast for two days of the week. He said our ancestors, our parents and our grandparents did that, where on one or two days of the week they would only live on 500 calories. Now some did it for religious reasons and fasted on a Friday. Then he said the Celtic tiger arrived and from the Celtic tiger onwards, that's when he said we see the downsides of prosperity in terms of obesity, in terms of eating too much processed uh, food, high carbon footprint and all of the other problems that we have with globalisation and you know he includes in that cocaine and so on and he speaks about imported vegetables such as avocados now I was going oh no don't knock avocados because I love me avocados but anyway he's making the point that avocados rack up a huge amount of air miles because we don't grow avocados in this country and he said it's all very well to talk about the virtues of veganism and vegans and vegetarians uh, have a tendency to eat avocados but he said it's not particularly virtuous for people on an island in the Atlantic to be relying for our daily intake on veg and produce from other countries that are many thousands of miles away. He said, not in an era where we have to mind our carbon footprints. Not only, he said, were the Irish of the 1950s very photogenic and very attractive, but he said they were also much more eco-friendly than we are. They were much more eco- Without even realising it, they were doing their bit to save the environment. And then we came along and the Celtic tiger roared in and it's all gone pear-shaped ever since. 1850-333-103. A reminder to you that Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins me in a couple of minutes. If you have a question for Jane, can you get it into us, please? Maraid is taking the calls at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp your pet questions to 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Ahakira Drama Group, they have postponed their play in the community uh, centre this Friday night. That's due to a local bereavement. A table quiz in aid of the Hope Foundation will be held tonight in Mona's Bar. Starts at nine. Tables of four. 40 euro and proceeds going to the Hope Foundation who work with street and slum children in Calcutta. Uh, great raffle also tonight. Blood Transfusion Service Board, donor clinics at the race course in Mallow. It's afternoon between 3 and 5 and 7 to 9 tonight. Hazelwood Tennis Club, they've got a fundraising table quiz. 8 o'clock in Burke's Bar in Bottomland, tables of 4, 40 euro. Our Lady of Mercy National School, they've got an open day for the enrolment of new pupils. That's between 1 and two today. Clodalry Community Development, their weekly lotto draw is in Walsh's Bar tonight with a jackpot of €1,000. While Cork County Council currently recruiting retained firefighters. 
Uh, only applicants who reside and work within two miles of the fire station and whose ordinary activity does not take them away from the town will be considered. Go along to the fire station to meet fire crews. An open information evening will be held in Mallow, Mill Street, Formoy and Mitchellstown tonight between 7 and, and 9. Uh, you can visit their website www.corkcoco.ie And an open farmers meeting will be held in the Bantry Bay Hotel tonight half past eight. The meeting will be chaired by Dermot Kelleher of the ICSA and election candidates have all been invited to explore their views on the future of beef and sheep farming in West Cork. All are very welcome. Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street Mallow. Smokeless coal. Turf gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And some of your comments on insurance, fraudulent insurance claims, which remember, it's not a victim, victimless crime because we're all paying for it in our insurance premiums. Uh, there's no need to change the law around insurance, says Colm. You have barristers, you have solicitors, you have engineers, you have doctors all involved in these claims. You'll find that they are paid a lot more than is actually rewarded by way of compensation. This attitude that people are getting when it comes to claims needs to stop. I agree that every insurance claim needs to be investigated, but it takes a lot of money, doesn't it? It takes a lot of money to investigate some of those cases. Anthony says this case, this is the one of the guy up in, in Dublin with the in the wheelchair and on the crutches. This guy wouldn't, this case wouldn't have taken place without legal advice to this fraudster. And surely there has to be a doctor's signature for these phantom in, in, injuries. Should they not be questioned? Secondly, until somebody is jailed for this type of fraud, nothing will change. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think we need to be throwing the book at these people and get the word out and get put a maximum publicity on it so that everybody knows it might make somebody stop and think. At the moment, this guy walked away. I was pushed out in a wheelchair of the court thinking, sure, I'll get away with that one. Will he try something else next week? He will, unless he's brought, brought to task uh, for what he did. And then another listener says, Patricia, Marie Bailey, the TD, did she not try insurance fraud? Where is she now? And the person who advised her, the lad you're talking about, was the Romanian fraud stir came to this country and tried to get and, and I'd, I've no way of knowing if he's had any other cases cases pending or any other cases in the past uh, or not 1850-333-103 also Patricia that court case I hope the doctors and the legal profession will be asked questions that's kind regards that comes in from uh, Joe okay on friendliness I blame online shopping for people not interacting with other people no wonder shops are closing and we're losing that ability to smile and chat because people are all staying at home doing their shopping they're not getting out and about and talking but Sheila says Patricia on Friendly people. One day I got my hair done. It was in Peter Marks on Winthrop Street in Cork. The youth that did my hair was the nicest person I ever met. I think his name was James. And I don't know how long ago that was, but James has stuck out in Sheila's mind to the point that she sent us a text today. She said, a lovely, lovely young lad. And hi, Patricia. I worked in a post office many years ago and we had this poem up on the wall. But after a while, people got so used to looking at it that I don't even think they saw it anymore. But we kept it up uh, anyhow. And it reads, Smiling is infectious. You catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I 
started smiling too. I walked around the corner and someone saw me grin. When he smiled, I realised I'd passed it on to him. I thought about the smile and then realised its worth. A single smile like mine can travel around the earth. So if you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Start an epidemic and get the world infected. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. OK, we are looking for your pet questions, uh, please, uh, because Annalise, not Annalise Drussell, and Annalise is our nutritional therapist. Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is going to be joining us in studio. If you've got a pet question, can you get it in? You can call Maraid 1850 333 103 and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Egg foil a mock quid then and here is far lane. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Is there in Devil Yaston Gahiraho Elizabeth Fort? I guess Dirt Gwitcha or Shandus Nasampli is far the loon rail to Hrahoch on Shachtu Hishdiak. Kigger atogoche harnablienta, hogalord on doon on giat law real fos lefeshkint, a togoch a doos border, civilian shadyak sahayan. When Sultas Rarkana Untacha er Kaharki o Ali Nununta, I was tog trust on Fallon Festaran doing Agas Nakaharach. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Jane... Jane Pickett, our resident vet from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining me in studio. Good Hi afternoon there. to you. And you're very well. It's about to rain, is it? It looks it's like gone it. dark. It's yeah. gone. It's gone kind of dark. It was dreary. a nice, bright morning, which was great. Okay, straight into questions. High uh, question for Jane, please. Just wondering, how do you give a cough bottle to my dog? The vet has recommended it as he has a bronchial cough. Ah, okay. Right, this is an interesting one. So sometimes as vets, we might pres- we might prescribe little kind of, co- they're almost like cough syrups. Now, the important word to the wise is I 
they are very different to human cough syrups. Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, the first word of warning, the caveat on this is if you think your dog has a cough, please speak to your vet. Don't just give him your cough syrup at home. Okay. okay. But I'm sure this person sounds like they've been to yeah, the vet, no, had the a vet. product it's prescribed. Recommended but by, just for yeah. any listeners out there, um, just be really careful. Now, it can be a little bit challenging. See what your vet recommends. Normally, I suggest they're normally liquid solutions. Use a small syringe. Now, you'll be able to get these from your vets. It's a little bit of trial and error with what you find easiest. Some people find small syringes easiest. Some people find slightly bigger syringes easiest. They don't tend to taste so fabulous to dogs and cats. They don't tend to take them very readily. At least the products I've been in contact with, they don't tend to eat them if you mix them into food very well. Now, you might have the odd dog that doesn't mind too much and that might be a way of doing it. But a lot of them are liquid, so you'll need to just put a little syringe into the side of the mouth. The best thing to do is I normally sit my little dog kind of, I'll sit on a seat, have the dog sitting on front of me, kind of between my knees and they just gently raise their little face up and then just pop the little syringe just inside the upper lip is the best way to do it. So you're not not doing anything. You're not kind of wrestling with your dog or anything. Just be as calm as possible. Patience is the order of the day. Place a syringe just inside the upper lip is the usual way to do it and then your vet will have told you how much of the prescribed solution needs to be given. Um, And Is it five five mils? Would it be no. It, it depends. It or depends it? on the size of the dog, but also okay. the, the medical the medical preparation. So it depends on the syrup yeah. being used as okay. well. So there's a huge variation. It might be a mil or it might be twenty, who knows? Oh, yeah. But um okay. your vet will be able to guide you with that. But I think as well if it's a if it's a large volume you're giving to let's say particularly a small dog, sometimes just giving it slowly in two or three little bursts. So they have time to swallow and they're comfortable. It's kinda of like ourselves. If we drank a big glass of water all at once, we'd be kind of gasping for the breath a little bit. And this is for a cough, so you're trying to not exactly. yeah. Yeah, you just want to make things as relaxed as normal. And I think the more time you take, the first few times you do it, it can be a little bit trying. You might try your patience a little bit, trying to to get everything lined up and and keep the dog stress-free. But I think the the message I would say is if you can keep it low stress, your dog over the coming days and however long it needs to stay on this treatment will be far more receptive rather than if you rush things to begin with and they have a bad experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isn't it a pity that somebody doesn't come up with a flavour that a dog or a cat would like? Uh, Yeah, it is. An awful lot of, let's say, the dog and cat specific products we have now, thankfully, with these modern times, a lot of them are, let's say, chicken flavoured, liver flavoured, something nice and strong. And a lot of the time they're taken really, really well by most dogs and cats. But unfortunately, some of the, let's say, more rare ones or ones that we wouldn't be using every day. Sometimes we're actually using products that, let's say, haven't had a flavour developed yet. Or they might actually even be human medicines, which are are used in consultation with your your vet and prescribed by your vet. So they might be designed for human taste buds, not dogs and cats. Yeah, but then again, it's like any of the tinctures that you get, the herbal ones, which are fantastic, but they taste vile. Oh, they do. Uh, So, yeah, if you're getting them into yourself, they're really bad. Okay, hi. uh, My 14 year old cat gets bouts of wheezing and vomits what is like a white foam occasionally okay. when he is wheezing he can get very lethargic however he's eating drinking grooming going to the bathroom no problems there he has been treated for lung, lung worms mm-hmm. and he has had antibiotics for a chest infection anything else uh, Sinead mm. wonders anything else that you think might be going on yeah all let's say middle-aged to older cats like this if they if they have kind of uh, are showing symptoms of being quite unwell they're usually quite unwell at that point cats are kind of pre-programmed to hide a lot of things so unless they're really feeling ill they won't really show you very many signs I think you've done really well popping to your vet getting some advice some initial treatment from your vet but if it's if it's not resolving revisit your vet tell them tell them what's going on at home videos are really helpful 
So if you have um, a case that you're having these wheezing episodes and they're bringing up a little bit of white foam, if this happens on the regular, next time it happens, take a close-up video of your cat while this is happening. Okay. And then take a little photo or a video of what comes up afterwards. A lot of the time, as vets, we're unlucky enough that we don't get to see things in action because a lot of the time the pet will come yeah, to us. And that's be, where, that's where yeah. our phones are, so, are oh, so good now. So incredible. It really revolutionises how much information we can get out of a particular scenario. So I think if you can take a video and show that to your vet, it's super, super helpful. Sometimes it can just be trying to get a handle on it. It may well be an infection. If It may well just be that more antibiotics might be required if your vet feels that appropriate. But sometimes mm. they can have, very much like humans, they can have kind of little airway diseases like asthmas, which are quite common in cats. So similar things where we just have a little bit of inflammation within our airways and can have wheezing episodes. Um, and I'm sure if you pop to your vet, they may feel it's appropriate to investigate that. But without seeing the little cat, it's very difficult to say. Yeah. With bringing things up, sometimes I would say that Cats can be a little bit confusing with their coughing or wheezing, particularly if they produce something at the end to tell whether it's, let's say, more like phlegm. So something coming from the lungs. But sometimes it can look very, very similar to them retching to vomit. And that's where the video comes in. Okay, really, really very helpful good. because with cats, it can actually be very difficult to tell whether they're trying to cough or wheeze something up or whether they're trying to vomit something up. Okay. It's a very subtle line with them um, and it can look and the and video, very the video different. will show that. Yeah. Okay. And it is a 14 year old cat. So it is a, an yeah. older Cat. older yeah. mid-teens so yeah. I think definitely pop back to your vet I think particularly with our older patients because they, they generally are a little bit more fragile than let's say our younger bulky pets that'll puddle around and bounce back from everything I think just taking that extra care and it sounds like you're doing a fabulous job I think pop back to your vet trust their process and I'm sure they'll have another look Okay these are kind of two similar questions now that, now that I see them uh, Ger in Araglan has a three to f- three or four year old I'm sure the age um, sheepdog biting at the toenails a lot just the back legs that started a few months ago. And then Mary in Mill Street has been on to say she is a Jack Russell and he's inclined to be picking at his leg okay. almost to the point of pulling the hair off it. He's an eight-year-old just on the front leg. Okay. It has been checked for fleas and all of that mm-hmm. so it's nothing like that. It's gone quite red now the area. Okay. So I think there could be two things going on. Well, two, possibly three things going on. So the first one I would say is the common things are common. Sometimes it can be skin disease. So licking and biting at the toes can sometimes be almost the dog equivalent of itching for the areas that they can't itch with their feet. So they bite and nip at their toes or bite and nip at the skin. Okay. Sometimes it might be something as simple as fleas might slice and it's an easy fix from that perspective. Sometimes it can be something a little bit more challenging, whether it's a surface skin infection that can actually be surprisingly itching, itchy and irritating or whether it's a little allergy to something in the environment. It's like ourselves with hay fever or, you know, an allergy to dust mites. Some things are more prevalent in the air and in the environment sometimes a year than others. And hence we might get a flare up in itchiness if it's something out in the ether that they seem to be a little bit sensitive to. So it could be skin. And I think that definitely warrants investigation by your vet. Just take them in, get them to have a little look. They'll have a chat with you about the lifestyle, the things they're exposed to and see if there's anything obvious that they may be able to to try and eliminate. Okay. I may even prescribe some anti-itching medication um, if that's appropriate. The other thing it can be is, and sometimes particularly in older pets, which is not the case with these little dogs, we do see licking over the joints, which is really, really common. And that can sometimes be an indication of irritation or pain. So if it's a licking over the joints of the foot, 
that can sometimes be an indication that there might be a little bit of early onset osteoarthritis. So joint And that pain. would be Mary in with the Jack Russell, yeah. who's the seven year old. Yeah. And it's just on one leg. Just so on could, one leg. could be a bit of pain. Could be a little bit of pain yeah, there, potentially. Okay. It, it's a little bit difficult to say without seeing the dog but and worth, also just examining the limb to see if there's any stiffness. But I think it's worth definitely getting worth a having a look. The last thing is behavioural. So yeah. sometimes very much like us biting our nails, you might get dogs that have stereotypical behaviour where they'll lick the or bite or That's the four-year-old sheep dog just, and it's just at the toenails just he's biting. Just at the toenails. That I would wonder whether it's habit, but it could potentially be itchiness. Yeah, I'd you really need, be, you need to get that ruled out. You need to get that ruled out. And then if it is a habit, it's a habit you've got to try and break. Exactly, okay. yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know if this is a habit or not, but my pup is a pom. It's very snappy, only when I'm cleaning her paws, etc. when obviously they've been out for a walk. Mm-hmm. Otherwise... Dog loves everyone, not a bit snappy. Why would a little puppy pom just doesn't like his paws being cleaned? Okay, all right. So I think the most important thing, first and foremost, is as long as your dog is otherwise well, not lame on any of his feet, doesn't show any signs of discomfort. I think making sure the pain isn't the issue is first and foremost. If you're uncertain about this, pop to your vet and get them to check them over just to make sure there's not any discomfort, any nails pinching, any injury to the foot that they might be really nervous about you touching. Because the number one cause of, let's say, aggression or snapping is pain. Okay. Okay. So ruling out pain first and foremost. If it is just our palm is being a little bit naughty and doesn't have any specific reason for what they're doing, it's most likely habituation. If they're not used to having their feet touched, they'll kind of be saying well what are you doing down there and that's scary what what are you trying to play with my feet for it's habituation the more you do it in a safe manner and reward them afterwards for good behavior the more likely they are to get used to it it's very much like just handling your dog in any other way in the same way they're used to you let's say putting on a collar and taking them for a walk they need to get exactly the same level you don't you don't want a habit to form so you need to and i think particularly with little dogs if they engage in let's say snapping behaviors Small dogs tend to become a lot more snappy than big dogs and that's purely because of the humans that are involved with them. With small dogs, because they, let's say, have less potential to do a lot of harm should they bite in in general, we tend to let them away with things. So as a vet, I normally find that on average... A lot of the dogs, the smaller dogs that I deal with will be a lot snappier and less well behaved than their larger counterparts. Because let's say if you had a big collie or a a Bernese mountain dog or a bull mastiff or something like that, and he tried snapping at you when he picked up his feet, you'd know there was something wrong that needed to be dealt with and it should get dealt with. Um, So I think with your little Pomeranian, it's important to just rule out pain, but then deal with the behavior. And I think it's all about positive reinforcement habituise them to dealing with their feet feeling all over their body get really used to them and when they do well and don't engage in snapping behaviour reward them and make a really big fuss Yeah and I think small dogs I think get away with more we have a tendency Mm. to spoil them as well Okay we'll leave it there we'll talk again next week thank you for that that is uh, Jane uh, Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital uh, part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group Apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions we will make a note of them and we'll come back to them next week That's where I leave you for today My thanks to Marie Tuick who produced Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I will be back with you uh, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and our apologies I saw some uh, great questions coming in for Jane we didn't get to them but I promise we'll hold them over and we'll bring them to you next uh, Thursday until tomorrow morning at at 10 I'm Patricia Messenger have a lovely afternoon Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get 7 day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie 
Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of feel good greatest hits. Join Nick Richards from one and Martina O'Donoghue from four as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from one. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.